0: I'm the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires. The team you trust. This is 97.5 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
1: It's the Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I'm going to talk to Christian Cox coming up here momentarily. The former Ute. He joins us weekly here on the Big Show. We'll ask him about uh, Utah's recruiting class. We'll ask him about uh, the big showdown with Washington State this weekend and uh, his thoughts on uh, whether or not uh, the Utes should or will go bowling if they indeed win. Which, of course, Witt told us earlier in the week that he was going to leave up uh, entirely to the players. Gordon, you with us? Yeah, I'm here, actually. <laughs>
2: I love pregnant pauses
1: like that. Uh, oh, that was intentional? I don't. You're just letting me uh, <laughs> drown in it there. i try now, trying to include you in the show, and you just kind of let me there.
2: How excited would you be to play a bowl game? after? Se- I know you've been pretty uh, consistent in your eagerness to play, Jake. Uh, do you think the players feel the same way?
1: Um, I don't know. I, I would think so, considering they've only played four football games. Yeah.
2: That's the one way of looking at it you could look at it like man give me give me a more more chance to play i mean, I'm a football player let me play the other might be and some individuals may feel that way like uh, okay what are we playing this for what what um what's the end result what's the reward you know because there's nothing really to gain from it
1: but how is that different than any other bowl year yeah, that's probably true-
2: mm-hmm.
1: so yeah. I mean, maybe they, you know, maybe they're tired of it and they want to go back to the frat parties. Uh, you know, maybe there's that. I don't know, but um, I would guess that they would want to play another game, want another bite of the apple, since uh, they've had so few opportunity this year.
2: And I, I wonder also, though, uh, what it means for players who know that they can come back and play again if they want, regardless of whether they're, you know, uh, freshmen or seniors, that uh, they do get other bites of that apple.
1: I tell you if I'm a young player I really want to play just because I want it's just another opportunity to earn a spot and mm-hmm. uh and spring ball I don't know if they're gonna do it or not. So I, I if I were, you know, a freshman or sophomore who's getting a, a couple of reps and want to really, you know, work my way up the, the roster, I'd certainly want another game. And I'd want those seniors to uh pass on the bowl game, say, nah no thanks. So I'd get a bigger <laughs> a bigger opportunity to supplant said senior.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's that and of course coaches love it because then they get yeah like they get, like everyone always says they get the opportunity to work with the young men for a while yet
1: that might be a little bit less of a factor though uh, this year Gordon just because I mean they've been practicing with these guys since August I mean usually it's a <laughs> it's a chance to practice throughout December right but you know They've already been doing that.
2: <laughs> you know, that's something I hadn't really thought about that much, Jake. But, uh, you know, these guys, we talked about the missed spring practices and whatnot, but these guys have been working with these guys for a long yeah. time. And I wonder if they're tired of being coached.
1: Well, they had that brief, uh, what uh, Coach Witt told us, he sent his guys home after uh, Larry waved the, the white, uh, white flag on the season but then brought them back, right? So there was a, uh-huh. a few weeks there where they thought they weren't going to play. So they got a little break there. But other than that, yeah, they've been practicing since August. So, um, you know, having the extra work is not necessarily as important this year as it has been in previous years because they've yeah. already been doing it. But, you know, game experience is something that you can't replace, though, as we've heard coaches say over and over again.
2: And for so many of these players, they, they don't have a future in the NFL. Although I bet you if you took a survey of the players, I bet 75% would say, "Yeah, yeah, I got a shot. I can make it.
1: Well, even if it's unrealistic you want as many opportunities as you can to, to prove it right
2: right and, and if you and if you're not going to move on then uh, then you're playing college football
1: right you know exactly
2: yeah which is your point to begin with
1: so I I don't, I don't know uh, I would guess though if if wit is true to his word and lets the players vote on whether or not they want to do it I bet they do now the administrators uh, I bet you they don't but I, I bet you that the players do.
2: They don't want to spend more money that they're not going to recoup.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to cost them money to play in bowls. It usually does anyway, but it, it's going to be more expensive this year. I
2: wonder what the—I wonder where that line is drawn between when you make a, a decent amount of money and when you don't. I wonder what level of bowl you need to play at. Probably the highest. Really? So you think only like the New York six and above?
1: Uh, money that would make a difference. Yeah, probably.
2: I wonder where the line is between, uh, you know, the red and the black.
1: Yeah. All right, well, let's jump out to the zone phone. Joining us now, former Ute linebacker, played for the Patriots as well, our good friend Christian Cox. What's up, Christian? Happy signing day.
3: What's going on, Jake? Happy signing day to you, too. (laughs)
1: <laughs> As a player with your background, Christian, I love your background, uh, working your way onto the roster, going from walk-on to scholarship to all-conference to the NFL. What, what, is, what emotions does signing day conjure up in you?
3: You know, again, I'm sure your listeners hate when I talk, but uh, I was like a zero-star recruit, recruited by Gary Anderson and Aaron Roderick and Kalani Satake. So, you know, 2003 was a, a different time. Uh, At Bountiful, we were back-to-back state champions. Uh, I got recruited by BYU lightly, Utah State lightly, but Southern Utah offered me a scholarship, so didn't have a lot of options, and signed in a class with guys like Braden Godfrey, a kid named Fessy Satake, a kid named Mike Wright, and we all went to Southern Utah University. So um, I have, you know, my opinions, uh, hopefully they're not too strong, but I have a hard time with, star recruits, and I saw lots of high-star recruits come into Utah even when we are in the Mountain West that just came and gone. But it is important. Uh, there is a difference in speed when we are getting four- and five-star guys. Uh, but I do know there is something to be said that half of the pro bowlers in the NFL are undrafted free agents, and a lot of guys who climb the ranks in the NCAA are – Three-star recruits, two-star recruits. Stevenson Sylvester, skinny kid out of Las Vegas, two-star guy. Uh, you know, ends up getting drafted by the Steelers. So, again, it's it's hard, it's hard to, to look at those, but you still want to look at where you stack nationally, and uh, it has it has an impact. But my my opinion is slightly different because I saw lots of highly you know rated kids. Come in and then leave because they couldn't hack it. So
2: let me let me back up and I'd never heard that before, uh, Christian. Half the Pro Bowlers were
3: undrafted free agents. Yeah, that was a stat that they gave at our symposium when, when I started. Wow! Like if, you, if you look at if you even look at okay, so a guy like Julian Edelman, Julian Edelman played at Kent State, but he played quarterback. When he went to New England, he played cornerback and backed up a guy named Wes Welker, didn't see the field. Again, seventh round, undrafted, late rounder, uh, but he had to make it, you know. Tom Brady is sixth round. That's, that's, you know, very well documented. But it's weird at the next level. Again, there's your Michael Jordans that are always the top, you know, echelon, right? But there's lots of those lower-tier guys that are, you know, really good. You just got to take advantage of your opportunities. And so um, – but, you know, there's lots of those in the league.
1: Let me ask you this, Christian. Uh, when you were a veteran at Utah and those uh, those high, you know, four-star, five-star, nine-star, 12-star, whatever, guys came in, did you enjoy knocking them down a peg?
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know. Like, I, it, it's weird when you put 110 young guys together and you're competing every day and you're competing in your workouts, you're competing during your conditioning. And it really is, you know, leadership, the cream rises at the top, and you can see who the real guys are. And what's neat about Utah, and I think BYU is slightly doing this right uh, as well, but you put them all together, and independent of your scholarship kid or not, the kids who compete and who win and win and win every workout, every conditioning drill over a long period of time, you you earn each other's respect through that and uh utah is king of you know uh i said this before you know when we won the sugar bowl in 2008 uh there was six starters on that team that were walk-ons at one point in time greg newman was one of them he's starting D tackle who was only 270 playing against alabama uh Derek shelby was 240 but he was a recruited kid out of houston uh, Mike Wright was a, uh, a walk-on earn scholarship. Uh, R.J. Rice was a walk-on earn scholarship. Braden Godfrey was a walk-on during scholarship. And so there's just uh, Keppa Geisen was a walk-on earn scholarship guy too, uh, stud linebacker. So again, they're, they're, those guys, th- those character, tough. That I'd say that's that's the internal fabric of Utah. And then you get these ridiculously amazing athletes that you layer on top of those, you know, like over the years at Utah, like, think about it, like the, the Mike Anderson's, the Chris Matumafalos, the Steve Smith's, the Kevin Dyson's right. That you weave in. And that's why Utah is such a diverse school, right? Not only in, uh, you know, the players and where they come from and backgrounds, but the work ethic and then they mirror Kalani and Sharif and, you know, and uh, uh, Kyle and, you know, um, and Morgan Scally, and, and even Gary Anderson when he was there and Coach Pease when he was there. And there's that tradition and the, the, the walk-on or that middle-tier kid who wants to play in front of Utah and win games and is willing to sacrifice and do everything for it. That's why Utah is so tough. And as I've left, I've seen better talent, and better depth, just refill. And uh, that's because of these early signing days, these early signing periods. And, um, you know, Utah's getting good kids. I'd say the only knock, and I, I got to call Kyle tonight. How the heck did we miss on Jackson Dart? <laughs> <laughs> Is there?
2: You know? Oh, yeah. Uh huh. Christian, you know, as you set that table up, I'm thinking when guys come in, do they know how many stars they had? Do they know uh, what their reputation is? Do they, you know, uh, use that as a hammer to to, to uh, embolden themselves? Well, that's
3: the funny part is, like, you know, we can talk about what we see on Saturdays and, you know, the, the, the you on the side of the helmet and the prestige and the tradition, you put everyone together, no one cares where you came from in terms of star recruit. We, we, You're all looking at them like, can you play? Can you contribute? Can you make an impact? And what's neat is you see that in every film session and every workout. How tough are really people? And those top leaders set the table at the top, and then these new guys kind of acclimate. And I'll just, again, I'll speak to Uncle Rico over here again. I remember walking in, and there was a couple guys that just jumped off the page right when they got into the program. Uh, I remember in 2007, uh, it was a tougher year, but I remember that fall camp, and there was two guys that just came in. Like Robert Johnson came in JUCO, two-star recruit, and was playing both ways and was a starting safety without even doing a spring but you saw what he was doing in camp. He was just, he was so lanky and long and intercepting the ball. Another guy, here's a name for you. You remember a guy named Jeremy Brooks, a yeah. little, you know, a little slot guy. He was one of the only freshmen to, to start and play immediately. And he was so good and so fast and so nimble in those underneath routes. It was perfect for Brian Johnson because on the outside of him, he had Freddie Brown. He had another guy named Braden Godfrey. And then he had another guy who was a transfer just like you know, uh, Robert Johnson, uh, David Reed, low, you know, star recruit Juco, but could just make plays. And that was in 07, so that team, you know, had some tough losses, went on a big winning streak, but all that team stuck together and went to the next round in in 2008. And then we had a guy named Matt Asiata who came off of a broken leg and a guy named Eddie White who came straight from Las Vegas. And you look at him, you're like, you're a running back? You know, you're a soccer player, right? But he was so <laughs> nimble and fast and then the team the team I'd say in 08, 09, even two thousand ten it just kept going, but the work ethic we were we were ran the coaches were heavily, heavily involved, but the leadership was so strong, like we were ran by the guys, you know, and that's that's the sign of a really, really, really good team. And you could go look at all the other college teams, the Tim Tebow teams, right? But uh, that's where Utah was, and that was, I'd say, last year with, you know, Tyler Huntley, Zach Moss, those kind of guys. Um, that's what – okay, you want to talk about what separates the program and why guys are going to the league? That is why, because Kyle has built this machine that the players come in and adapt to the process, and those who can't adapt to the process – you you can't, you quit, you, you get out. And that's why, you know, when I got to New England a long time ago, I, I remember getting to fall uh, to fall camp after walkout and I was thinking to myself, I was like, this is the NFL, I'm here. But these practices are easier. <laughs> we don't have two days, <laughs> right? We're not, we don't have bloody Tuesday where it's just so physical. And uh, I think, you know, what Kyle's done and even all my old teammates, right, we just made each other better because we were – Iron on iron. We were so hard on each other. And that's and that's the hierarchy that you want to climb within because at the end of the hierarchy, there's an opportunity to play in front of 50,000 or 45,000 crazy, dedicated Utah fans and a chance to achieve something great. And, again, as a kid, I take for granted probably every day. It's like when we won the Sugar Bowl, it wasn't like we didn't realize what we did. You know, it was just like, oh, that was fun. We did what the Fiesta Bowl <laughs> team did. You know, so um, that's where I think Kyle's consistency, uh, Morgan's consistency, Sharif, Lewis, all those guys, I'm so happy to see that they've turned the season around and players want to play for coaches that are going to get into the league and that's really what Utah's doing.
1: What did you think about Utah's performance against Colorado, Christian? Uh,
3: Weren't you guys shocked? Like, I was was blown away, honestly. I, I watched that first half and I screamed at my TV again, I'm like, Come on, Mr. Bentley. We talked about making throws and not missing, and I saw him miss Keefe again late, and then, uh, you know, could have been up 14-0 early. And I just, again, you want to talk about toughness. They just hunkered down when you had every reason to quit, I guess. It's cold. You're on the road. You're playing for a a useless season. And uh, to a fan's perspective, but to those kids, it matter, They want to go play in a bowl game. And, um, you know, getting that fumble right before half and then being down 21-10 after Jerry Rice kid took it to the house, and they just methodically just took over. And, you know, really neat for Britton Covey, right? It's the first time we've really seen him in two years, and what a guy. He's only 23, but I love kids like him, right? He's 5'7", he has nothing, right? Every reason why he's had everyone cheer against him his whole life, and he can't do this, and He's a a spark plug, and I said this to some other people, I'll say it here live on radio, but people like him elevate everyone else across the team, the energy that he brings. Uh, Morgan Scali brought that same energy to the 2004 Fiesta Bowl champions, right? You need guys who make plays when it's their, their time to make them, but they bring and elevate with energy and make everyone else better, and You know, I thought Bentley did better, and that Jordan kid, again, you talk about the script of the short year. (laughs) No one knew about him, right? Coaches did. But he's special, and it's um, looking good for the running back position and tradition at Utah.
1: Christian, we always appreciate it when you have a chance to stop by the show. Thank you very much.
3: Hey, good to talk to you. See you, Jake. Bye, Gordon. See 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 you,
1: Christian. Yeah, that's our friend Christian Cox, former linebacker at Utah.
2: Isn't it interesting listening to him talk about those things? Well, I, I think that's really cool. You have a—he uh, used the word diverse program. Guys coming in, different evaluations, different places, different backgrounds, different races, different cultures, and they come in, and man, it is on. You are—you are expected to work your tail off, to earn your position. And I like that. I like that kind of opportunity even for, or maybe even especially for the guys who weren't necessarily as highly thought of.
1: Well, he's randomly the, the perfect guest. I mean, we yeah. have him on weekly, but uh, on on signing day, because, you know, he's right. We get all caught up in the stars and and uh, how many stars does the guy have? And where, where does the recruiting cl- class rank and all this? And the truth is there's a lot of players that turn out to be really, really good. That fly completely under the radar. Christian Cox played in the NFL for a yeah. while. I mean, not and, not just no, made a camp, but made the roster. I
2: mean, he and was nobody. Want, nobody wanted him out of high school, right. except for Southern
1: Utah. He was really, really good. He was all conference, and and you heard those players that he he went to Southern Utah with. He he rattled them off. Keppa Geisen. Uh, who else? Uh, who was the receiver that he mentioned? Uh, Braden Godfrey. These are all ended up being really great players. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we. I get it. We get focused on the recruiting class, and today's kind of one of those unique days. But the truth is you still got to find the right guys and get them better, even, uh, you know, if they have zero stars like Christian said.
2: Yeah, those stories are, are like <laughs> you are talking about, underscore, man, twice, three times. They're such cool stories to see somebody fight through it all, even though they, maybe they were a late bloomer yeah maybe maybe they got strong late. maybe they got fast late, but be, out of their work hard work, they put themselves in a position to, to do something. I know we used to sort of tease Bronco Mendenhall because he seemed like he loved those walk-ons. but when you really think about it, there's a good reason why.
1: He found some really good players yeah yeah yeah.
2: I mean when uh, you know speaking of BYU and this is true at Utah as well, but think of Dax Milne. He gets a walk on. Now he's a star.
1: Yeah, it's it, it's remarkable and a testament and message to the the young people out there. You know, keep your head down and and uh, keep working and uh, don't uh, don't get discouraged if uh, you're not all of a sudden a four star player. You know, figure out know. a way to get to your experience. You know, Will Snowden, uh, well, our BYU insider here, also works uh, for Alpha Recruits and. He says, uh, you know, he says it all the time. You can find a place to get an experience and you can find a place to get yourself better and uh, and pay for your education. And people take different roads. Interesting. I mean, it's just amazing. Christian went from zero star, not recruited to playing for the New England Patriots (laughs) and and would have had a really long career if there weren't some uh, for some injury stuff. I mean, like I said, it wasn't uh, it wasn't Christian, uh, you know, made the camp or whatever. I mean, he made that roster several years. And
2: Jake, you remember him. You remember watching him play. He was
1: good. Oh, he was great. Yeah, there's no doubt. No doubt. He was a big-time player on on some really, really good teams. Mm -hmm. And uh, now we're lucky enough to have him on the show once a week, which is nice. We ought to have him play his clarinet next week. We should. We should. Uh, Christian, today, his interview brought to you by our friends at Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. More big show next 97.5 and 1280 The zone.
0: You're locked on to the Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
1: Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Uh, Gordon, you know, the NBA is in uh, an interesting spot with uh, player empowerment and and kind of, uh, you know, the players flexing their muscle a, a little bit when it comes <laughs> to how things go and how things are run. And we've talked a lot about uh, the Clippers and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George alienating teammates and things like that. Well, how would you like to be the Rockets? Uh, there have been multiple uh, articles that have come out, uh, including one by Tim McMahon of ESPN. Uh, Austin was telling me uh, there was a really in-depth look at the Rockets on uh, on The Athletic, which I believe Sam was a part of writing, wasn't he? Sam uh, dialed in with that franchise. Yep. Um, but but one thing that stood out to me in, in Tim McMahon's thing here is basically the, the players inside the locker room uh, are not even mentioning... James Harden and his antics. They're just out operating as if everything were just completely normal that uh, this player hasn't 100% rejected them and did not show up on time for training camp because he was uh at a rapper's birthday and he, <laughs> he, he had to, you know, uh, get uh, get his uh, party on in Vegas instead of, you know, being on the team. But it it's just I I wonder Well, let me put it this way, Austin, in that athletic piece, they they went a little bit more into in-depth on how exactly high maintenance James has been with the franchise, right?
0: Uh, yes, uh, right down to the fact that he had carte blanche. If, if there was a practice called for or uh, he could just say, nah, the team's not practicing today. If if he didn't like a travel arrangement, he could just make whatever call he wanted and, and rearrange the whole team's travel and the whole team's schedule at any whim. And the whole idea, and this quote comes from the ES- ESPN piece, the whole idea, according to one former staffer, he told Tim McMahon clo- clo- uh, that the culture is, quote, whatever James wants, close quote. Yeah.
2: And that really, that really did bother Russell Westbrook, didn't
0: it? I'm
1: sure it did. I'm sure it yeah. bothers all, all of um, his teammates. But it, it kind of rose the question in my mind. If I were running an NBA franchise, you'd really have to determine, is this worth it and will this work? Because, right. uh, and I heard Coach on with uh, with Hanson Scotty, and he was talking about this a little bit, and he, he simply said, it's a team sport. And if your team is not good, you're not going to ultimately accomplish what you want to accomplish. Michael Jordan threw the pass to B.J. Armstrong, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, and, he, and to John Paxton. And to John Paxton. You know, he didn't get over the hump until the team around him uh, was really good. And he he kind of alluded a little bit to it in the last dance. Uh, documentary, but it you, one player, as good as that player might be, is not going to get you over the hump in a team sport. And so if you just completely give the franchise to one player and let them behave that way, at what point do you think franchises go, you know what, you're really good, but this isn't worth it?
2: Yeah, and that is a – got to find that line. And I understand it. You know, I used to laugh a little bit when I'd hear the Jazz talk about wanting character guys, but I'm telling you, they were right all along. And maybe they weren't always right in, in, in making those judgments on the players to get nobody's perfect. But to aspire but for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Because who wants a guy – I know James Harden is a great player. I know Kawhi Leonard is a great player. But really, do you want to subject your team to that kind of that kind of uh, I mean, lack of balance? Yeah. I I I mean I get it. Stars are going to get their way more often, didn't Carl? Carl wanted a, a two bowls of fruit at, at every in every uh, every hotel room where he stayed. I mean that, that's that's kind of. Picky, but I mean, you know, I mean, okay, go ahead and give them that, but don't give them control of the team.
1: Yeah, little, I mean, little comfort stuff. Because John and Carl, uh, and we could ask Coach Chiesa next time we talk to him about this. They had little things, right? Like when the bus left and where they sat on the bus, and um, yeah. didn't they do training camp in Idaho for a while? Because that's uh, what uh, John and Carl wanted—one or one or both of them. That's or, what or, or didn't or didn't want. Yeah, when it came back to Salt Lake, I but but little stuff like that. Okay. You know, you you give your your best players a little bit of a, a say and you want them to be comfortable and but uh, you know, is it healthy to turn over your entire basketball operations to to James Harden because yeah. he wants to take uh, a Learjet to Vegas? You know, and like, if
2: you want, and do you really want a player who is going to make those demands to right. begin with, right. No matter how good they are. Great point. I mean, there are there are some guys who who might be worth it, but it makes me wonder. I know egos. Uh, we've been around egos our entire careers, uh, Jake, and we've seen it firsthand. We've seen what some of the players do and what they're what they're about. But you can't let it get that far out of control because it's not healthy for the team. That'd be like me saying to you, Jake, or anybody, think of anybody where you work, everything being in your favor, everything being convenient for you, nothing being convenient for other guys or other people. It, it, it just backfires in the long run. And there might be some exceptions here and there, but on the whole, you'd think that you would want a star who is aware enough, self-aware enough to know where that healthy line was because Ultimately, you're all making a lot of money. Stars are making tons of money. But you want to win, too. And you can't do it if there's all this poison. This is what happened to the Clippers last year. That's it. I've seen it over and over. I've read it over and over again, Jake. That These things that were written into Paul George's and uh, Kawhi Leonard's contracts were causing problems on the team. You want to avoid that. And I will say this. I don't know all the ins and outs with the Jazz but I know I know a number of them, and I like the way that team is. I like the way their franchise franchises run. You know, I you gotta you gotta bend a little here and there. I get that, but don't let don't let the guys take over, well, or don't then... let one guy take over, or two guys take over. You just can't do it.
1: Well, then to add insult to injury is his. <laughs> his game on the floor reflects that attitude off of it yeah and and (laughs) like LeBron LeBron all right he he Mm -hmm. is probably difficult to be teammates with I would guess at times you know and I'm not thinking anything too nefarious more like the obnoxious stuff like when Mm -hmm. when he came back to Cleveland and he got everybody together and he said you guys are here for the most historic night of basketball and it's mostly about (laughs) me but you know you guys are here too I mean like little stuff like that sure his teammates are rolling their eyes and like okay well this the, it's amazing this guy's head fit through the door but LeBron is not a selfish basketball player he's right. not I mean his, his game does not necessarily reflect that attitude and I bet that makes it a lot easier because yeah you may be uh you know uh, uh, LeBron maybe a little high maintenance and kind of running the show a little bit but I know if I'm opening the corner and my guy goes to double I'm going to get a a catch-and-shoot three. You know, you know that you still have a role on the team and he's not a selfish player on the floor. I bet that makes it a little bit easier. But with James, you know, not only are you dealing with this stuff in the locker room, but also when you get out on the floor, I wouldn't like playing with that guy either. Mm. So it's got to make things difficult. I'll go
2: back to the phrase, knowing where the line needs to be drawn.
1: And that's some franchises have a different line, I'm sure
2: well every guy I mean magic was this way he had certain privileges you know a bird had privileges but those guys knew one it didn't, that selfishness didn't reflect it wasn't reflected on the floor like you were talking about. Two they they didn't get to the point where it was it was wearing everybody else out. You know, there was respect for the other players on the team enough not to be barking orders like, hey, we're going to do this my way. And I'm not talking about the way it's played on the court, uh, just the the routine of the franchise, because that's inconvenient for other people. You yeah. can't turn over that kind of power. And uh, James Harden is a great offensive player. He's he's terrific in so many ways. I I, I ain't having him on my team if he's going to make demands that are going to just corrode, erode my team spirit. Uh, You got to keep everybody in mind, at least to some extent. And James seems to be a little blind in that regard.
1: Well, I can really sympathize with the Rockets' teammates because I can't tell you how many times Gordon's uh, called at last minute say he's getting on a flight and going down to the club in Vegas. It happens like <laughs> three, four times a month.
0: I know a guy that uh, Gordon left behind in Mexico once. I do too, yeah. Just because it was better for his travel plans.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's funny. I, I get the phone call from Gordon all the time. He said, hey, man, it's a uh, happy hour down at scores, so I'm, I'm getting on the plane. Have a good <laughs> oh, show. Yeah.
2: You've heard that a lot from me. I have.
1: I have. Was uh, it, it, well, that
2: me or was that Chester? I don't know. You know.
1: It's half price admissions at Little Darlings. <laughs> I've got a plane oh, come to catch. On. No. <laughs> Stay no. tuned. Not sports report coming up next. 975 <laughs> and
0: 1280 the zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 975-1280 the Zone. And the Zone Sports Network. You should have said no. You should have got.
1: It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 975 and 1280 the zone. Time for the Not Sports Report. Brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today?
2: Going to the Chicago area, and then I well maybe I should. Yeah, I'll do the I'll do the happier thing second, okay?
1: Well, it's let's about just about only before. do the happier thing.
2: Well I know, but this is kind of interesting actually uh, there was a a prisoner a a murder suspect actually who was being transported uh, in Northwest Indiana and he was being transported ported from Texas uh, up to uh, a place called lake County up there and the Driver of the van that was transporting him. I, I think this was like a private company that's paid to transport.
1: Wait, can I can I take a criminals? guess? Can I can I take a guess of what happens next? Uh, what? One of the prisoners tries to escape, forcing a bad accident that ended up on train tracks, where uh, a young doctor <laughs> jumped out of the van and started to run through the woods. In a series of events that culminated with him jumping off of a dam.
2: No, this is not uh, a replication of what happened to DJ with the uh, hurling incident.
1: Oh, I see. Okay, this I is see. A, is I would story. watch
2: that uh, story yeah, you I just would, made. I though. would watch
0: that, too. Preferably that if Harrison Ford would movie. play, and Tommy oh, Lee, maybe? No, Tommy Lee Jones is the, the U.S. Yeah, Marshall. not Tommy Lee. No, no not, not Tommy there, not yeah. the
1: drummer, no. Okay, anyway, Gordon. Um,
2: <laughs> so this this guy, this, uh, this driver of this van, is transporting this prisoner, and he decides that he's going to go through a McDonald's drive through kind of like your experience earlier today. <laughs> Was that McDonald's that you're going to yeah. or is it mm-hmm. somewhere else? It was. Okay, so as the driver is in the drive-thru, he's not paying attention to the prisoner, and the prisoner broke free and jumped out of the van and ran away. This is this
1: sounding was... a lot like what I described.
2: Well, <laughs> this is a true story. There's no word though whether the prisoner was, you know. Had, like, a uh, a big back in his hand or anything like that, because then he would be the Hamburglar. Yeah. No. But uh, people are quite upset that uh, this transport driver was negligent, or allegedly so, in transporting this. Going through the drive-thru, Jake? Come on. But then, you know, they did have him in, a sh- in like, a leg... Connector that connected him to uh, something in the van, and I guess he was in the drive-through so long that he got free and jumped away and so ran. So, are
1: you bl- blaming the hungry van driver?
2: <laughs> Kinda, yeah. He has gotta eat.
1: <laughs> I mean, maybe you could criticize the man if he like uh, left the van running in the parking lot and ducked in.
2: Uh, okay. I,
1: mean, I mean, He's on a long trip. have got to get some food. What's the deal? Hmm.
2: All right. And here's the second part of my not sports report. It is this. I have a list in front of me here, and this is especially for you, Jake. 11 ways to get into the holiday spirit. Because 11, 11, it's
1: four fifty six. Yeah. Jeez.
2: All right. I'll what, what, bust what, what, through uh, these. A uh, novel. Just, just give me, just give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Down. All right. <laughs> you, you more than anyone I know needs to get into the uh, the holiday spirit. Number one, turn on the holiday tunes. Down. Two, watch some old school Christmas cartoons. Down. Three, make some hot chocolate or eggnog.
1: Uh. Down to the hot chocolate, up to the eggnog.
2: Okay, number four is a little difficult under our certain circumstances, uh, our our current circumstances. Uh, But maybe you can do this with the people in your household. Throw a holiday party.
1: Uh, I've been to some good, some bad, so we'll go even.
2: You know, those work holiday parties, aren't the cliches that you have to be careful not to overindulge and to, you know, make a fool out of yourself in front of the people?
1: That is certainly a thing, yeah.
2: All right, five, watch a Christmas movie.
1: Eh, down.
2: Austin was asking this, and was that uh, a part of uh, your uh, your show coming up uh, on the movie zone?
0: christmas movies
2: the, yeah christmas movies the one you hate the most or whatever. yeah in
0: fact that's this week's uh, poll question a christmas movie everyone likes but you
2: well yeah that, that's a good question but the list here that they have the suggestions it's a wonderful life which probably is going to end up on your list austin a christmas story a white christmas national lampoon's christmas vacation a miracle on 34th street elf and a peanuts christmas special number six read some christmas classics Pass. Seven, look at Christmas lights. Pass. Eight, put up the tree.
1: Ugh. I, I did it, but pass.
2: Plan a romantic holiday-themed interlude with your loved one.
1: Christmas doesn't scream romance to me. Pass.
2: You can get her one of those uh, Santa's Little Helper outfits or something.
1: I don't want to make Christmas creepy. Pass.
2: <laughs> Ten, go see a Christmas carol.
1: Nope.
2: How about this one then? Do service. Nah. Feed the hungry.
1: Uh, we're going to have a clothe, radio.
2: Clothe the cold.
1: We have uh, the Road Home Radiothon coming up the 21st and the 22nd. And in all seriousness, I do absolutely look forward to that. We're doing it a little different this year, but that, that service one, uh, that makes everybody feel good, right?
2: Yeah. All right. All right. Get in the Christmas holiday. Get in the, get in the holiday mood. Whatever. Whatever it takes works for you.
1: Coming up next, we'll get in the holiday mood with David Locke. Nothing screams holidays like like our conversations with our boy Locke. Uh, straight ahead. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.